Good morning, I'm Roberta, a grateful recovered compulsive overeater. And I have to tell you that I am really nervous. Um, the, the fact that it's being recorded, you know, it's like I went to school in New York City and it's going to be on my permanent record. <laughs> so I don't know if sometimes things come out of my mouth that I'd rather not be on my permanent record, but here goes. I, I trust that... Uh, Whatever I say will help somebody. So um, I've been in OA a long time. Next month it'll be 40 years. And for that I am so grateful because Overeaters Anonymous has changed me, has given me a life beyond my wildest dreams and um, has made me uh, grow up and shut up sometimes. And, uh, you know, I have learned that I don't know everything about everything and sometimes I even could be wrong and a lot of things like that that were not comfortable and that I had no idea of when I first came in. So I came in, I was approaching 40 and um, I think I was born a compulsive overeater. Food always rang that bell in my head, you know, no matter what it was a birthday party, a gathering of the family, the food came first before people, before anything else. And um, it wasn't until my teen years that I realized that a friend of mine just came in from New York. I'm just so excited to see her. It's so wonderful how uh, this program is just uh, portable. Uh, so here I was, a uh, young child, and food always rang the bell. Food always did it. When I was sad, when I was happy, that was the solution. And I lied, and I cheated, and it started with food. And then I became dishonest in other areas. So by the time I was in eighth grade, uh, first of all, the dreaded weigh-in in sixth grade when they shouted the weight across the gym, the buying the gym outfit, I had to send away for it because the local store didn't have that size. And by eighth grade, I was 213 pounds, and my aunt was taking me all over to these uh, McLevy. They had these um, storefront gym places. And they were machines that were going to take the weight off you. And that sounded very reasonable to me. I don't have to do anything. I'll go. But the humiliation through the years, you know, the teasing from the boys uh, in junior high and high school, the humiliation. I was in the band in high school, and uh, they didn't really have a uniform that was big enough for me. But somehow in the back of the closet with the cobwebs, they found a pair of pants that would go around me. And just humiliation after humiliation when I went to get a job for the New York City Board of Ed, passed all the tests, and you have to pass the physical test in those days. So I wore the lightest thing I could wear, and the woman who weighed me, berated me, this is how you come for a job interview in a little duster, you know. In those days, you wore stockings and heels and suits and... I just wanted to weigh less on the scale. So um, humiliation, uh, you know, plentiful, but that, you know, never stopped me from eating. Did all the diets you did, the pills, the diet of the month, the grapefruit diet, hard-boiled egg diet, um, cabbage diet. 
uh, commercial weight loss programs and twice in my life I had gotten down to a goal weight in my my freshman year in college I was determined not to gain that proverbial uh, freshman 15 and I gained I lost weight and got down to a reasonable weight again and after I had my uh, second child I went to a commercial weight loss program got down to go away and each time I I was successful dieting but always gained the weight back plus a little interest and uh, was really demoralized and by the time I was 40 I was up to 240 pounds I was angry I was frustrated I felt like uh, you know this is so unfair how come I can't get a handle on it what's wrong with my willpower and came into my first OA meeting and they told me it wasn't a lack of willpower it's a disease and wow I loved that concept that made me happy it took the blame off me it took all that you know all the years of struggle and thinking you know why can't I get this what's going on so that was wonderful hearing it uh, the other word that almost got me out of the room was that you uh, needed to believe in a higher power of a God in your life and at that point I've been um, you know pretty much an agnostic I had tried religion I had tried various things and nothing seemed to work you know I tried transcendental meditation I went and I um, listened to the S training uh, you know just did a lot of things smoking marijuana I thought that you know the Beatles did it that way and they you know received whatever spiritual uh, stuff is going on so just always searching always looking on the outside and it always takes me back to the Wizard of Oz and Dorothy at the end when she opens the curtain and the wizard is just an ordinary person and you know if you want to go home the answer is within but I always looked without you know what are you eating what's your concept of God and maybe you have to do a little research like that you know it helped me to find out what everybody else was doing and uh, when I first came in they gave me a, a blue sheet they gave me a diet to follow I was ready I was always a good student and I was happy to follow it I called my sponsor seven o'clock every night and told her exactly what I was going to eat the next day and it was very easy because when there's a specific thing I can follow it I can do it it's the things that there aren't answers for and that's pretty much all of life that uh, a little more difficult to to find my center to find my voice to find my truth and uh, lost a hundred pounds right off became an OA star and spoke a lot and and um, lost my abstinence after 18 months and uh, in those days you know I had an extra the proverbial extra string bean I don't really remember exactly what I had but it was as simple as that and then I was off and running because I always um, you know subscribe to the fact that if you can't do it perfectly then you might as well just mess it up and I go back to the bags and boxes I was a binge eater I loved to plan my binges the excitement was in thinking about binging I was a grazer uh, very often I could go in the morning I mean I start every day of my life on a diet and I could go till three o'clock till I got back from school and then all hell broke loose 
So it wasn't it wasn't a good existence, and um, I was miserable when I came in. Uh, like I said, I was really full of anger and uh, full of frustration and um, full of fear. I didn't want to. Um, live my life that way. It was so humiliating to squeeze in on the Long Island Railroad when I was commuting into the city and, you know, there's three seaters and if there was a middle seat open, very often I would stand even though I was exhausted after a day's work because I wasn't going to humiliate myself by fitting into it. So life was diminished. You know, I was married and I had a house in the suburbs and I had two kids but um, you know, my life was as good as my food was that day, and that's the truth. If my food, if I was watching my weight, it could, I could be the same weight. But if it was on the way down, I was feeling like you know Hercules, and if it was on the way up, I was feeling like shit. It really is not, you know, it wasn't about the weight. So I came into program and um, got the diet, did it. After I broke my abstinence, um, after 18 months, I decided I need a stricter food plan. So I went to Gray Sheet. That was the, the strictest one. And there were no cars on it. And, uh, you know, for 22 years, 22 years, I struggled. I tried to follow the diet. And then after Gray Sheet, I tried another plan. And, and this diet came out and that and it just didn't work. And I not only followed a food plan or tried to, but I did the work. I really did the steps. I did a four step. That was wonderful. It was <coughs> after I was in program about nine months and worked through the steps and always had a sponsor and always went to a lot of meetings. I mean, even today, after um, you know almost 40 years and uh, 17 years of abstinence, I still go to five to seven meetings a week. That's my strong tool. Don't ask me about phone calls because <laughs> that's not such a good one. But we use the tools that help us. I don't have to use all nine tools every day, but I use enough of them that gives me a strong program. So my first career in OA for those 22 years was... Um, you know, a lot of recovery, but followed by relapse. Recovery, relapse, I'd have a month, I'd have, you know, just periods of time, but never could get it together. And the reason, when I think back, is that I never had a clear, higher power for myself. It was foggy, it was fuzzy, yes, it was the room. Um, I heard a great speaker from California when I was at the Concord one year say his higher power was Magic Johnson. And this was in the 70s so, or in the 80s, so it was, you know, so anybody, you know, can be, can have a higher power that works for you. The thing is, I never found a higher power that worked for me. I it was still Roberta and her ego, and I was not turning anything over to anyone. So, um, you know, the results were that way. The miracle is that I never gained back the whole 100 pounds. It's, it's amazing. I gained back about 50 pounds. And... Um, and that was like a new high. So that was pretty good. And then I'd go down 10 and up 20 and down 30. And, and, and that was my first 22 years in program. In 2002, 
I had retired from teaching, I was home, I thought that life would be terrific, and I was still dragging myself out of bed every day and saying, oh, another new day, you know, and not feeling it, not feeling the joy. And I know that, you know, there was more because I had that brief time in the beginning of program when I was happy, joyous, and free, when I was really, uh, you know, living the dream and had that freedom. So I was in a bookstore, and I'm always reading self-help books and interesting, you know, other side books, and I do that still today. I love our, our literature. I think the big book is amazing. I have my issues with some of it because... For me, it doesn't equate exactly like alcohol. I've got to eat. I've got to figure out what my problem is with the eating. I never came up with a red light list. There are foods that are more enticing to me, and I stay away from them most of the time. But I'm lucky in the fact that I did give it up for many years. You know, when I first came in, I told you um, I went on blue sheet and on gray sheet. So it was disciplined, and sugar had to be the fifth or less ingredient. And somehow in 2002, when I had this spiritual awakening, that I this is a spiritual program. It says in the big book, it's a spiritual malady. And only when the spiritual malady is taken care of can I recover physically and mentally. So um, that's what I did. I sought God in 2002 in this book. It said, when were you happiest? When was life just all color? And uh, that was in... Uh, the times that I was abstinent and on target and working this program because I um, you know as I said I've had success in other areas but uh, the the diet my weight my body image uh, always took me down Uh, when I realized in 2002 that I need to have a spiritual center a spiritual being I went on a quest sponsored um, directed to find a higher power I did the ad for a higher power I wrote down on a piece of paper what I need from a higher power and my son had become orthodox and so he's a rabbi and I tried his higher power and that really didn't work for me um, that's why I say spending a life looking for everybody else's higher power Uh, My sponsor always says, you know, just like we all have individual fingerprints, we have different food prints, we have different higher power prints. That's the way I look at it. So I've got to find a higher power that protects me, supports me, loves me unconditionally, directs me, guides me, and is always there for me. And it comes in the connection. And that's what I've learned in this program, that addiction is kind of the opposite of connection. So I need to connect with all of you. I need to connect with God, and I do that every morning. So I, so here I am in 2002, uh, got a spiritual sponsor. My first time around in OA, I wanted the skinniest person in the room to sponsor me, and she happened to be a, um, an ex-cheerleader from my high school, so it was perfect because <laughs> that's what I wanted. My second time around, I got somebody who was just... She had this serenity about her, peacefulness, calmness, and um, she told me that she drives within the speed limit. 
And that to me was a miracle. I thought the speed limit was where you start. And then, <laughs> and I've since become a much safer driver and uh, not always, but much more courteous driver. My husband um, mentioned it to me the other day and he said, you know, since you took that driver's uh, ed thing, you know, I did one of those online defensive driving things, you've become a much better driver. But really it's because of program and because I've learned to be more courteous and to, you know, I'm not in any hurry to get any place. Um, so let me talk a little about the steps because that's where the, you know, I never had, we were not a religious Jewish family, so I didn't have um, a clear idea of how I should live my life. And the 12 steps is, it's just a gift. It's a gift of the 20th century for all humanity. If I can live by those 12 steps, I will have a very productive, helpful life. I always wanted to help others, but I, nobody wanted what I had. You know, because I always wanted to be at your table where it looked like you were having more fun, and I was never satisfied with where I was. So program has taught me to, to just adopt myself the way I am. Take myself as I am. Yes, I always want more. This is a disease of more. This is a disease of isolation. And I still fall into those patterns. And lately I was having a little thing with marijuana that popped up in my life again. Now that it's legal, why not? So, uh, I, you know, I am a, I'm an addict. Whether it's shopping, whatever it is. And if I could smoke occasionally, like I can drink occasionally and it doesn't do anything for me, but then I want it every day, and then I want it every morning, every noon, every night. And before you know it, it's like I don't feel authentic anymore, and it's a problem. So uh, here, so this is as recently as a week ago, I have to tell you. So last Saturday, I'm thinking, you're speaking at Kitchen Sink next week. You want to be fuzzy and not, not, you know, grounded, or do you want to be fully there and be honest about what you're struggling with? I'm lucky in the fact that in OA, I have found uh, my relationships got better. I didn't have to join another program for any of my other addictions or problems. Overeaters Anonymous and working the steps on them has helped me in every area of my life. My relationship, so I put down marijuana, I asked God, please, just for Sunday, and I know my God is strong enough, I am not a fearful person. I am not one who says, I don't know if I have another recovery left in me. I know I do have another recovery left in me. God will never leave me stranded. If I should go off and break my abstinence, which would be very hard, because I define my abstinence as refraining from negative thinking, refraining from hurting myself with food, refraining from using food to get into a fantasy world, you know, unreality. So that's pretty easy, you know, that's pretty broad. I don't have a particular food. So about eight months ago, I, I get into trouble sometimes with certain foods, but I'm maintaining a healthy body weight. And when I say I get into trouble, so I, I love these big fat pretzels, 
that come in a box and you know one or two doesn't do it for me so I I need eight I need ten and then um, you know that's not really uh, how I want to live I want to eat healthy and most of my uh, my choices are healthy so I put those down in November now I don't know if I'll I don't put it on my red light list because I'm such a defiant person that if I say I can't have it that's what I want that's where I'm going to go so really to protect myself so that's the, the part of the big book that I find a little not quite driving with in the doctor's opinion you know when he says entire absence that we have an allergy of the body for me it's a hundred percent in my head I don't react I can um, after five or six years of this current absence um, we were at a party and someone said oh taste this and taste that and and I found that if I did have a bite of the cake or a cookie I didn't want to go out and destroy myself by buying more and eating more and that was like oh that's interesting now I'm giving my story and people have told me well somebody you're killing people in no way with that message now I don't mean to say that this is really what you should do I'm just saying I've been blessed my sponsor is blessed I can eat anything and when I get a little too heavy in it I have the ability I lean into God I say God please help me take that out of my food plan for today and I do it just for the day and then if I want to you know, re-up, I can re-up and, and continue it. And that's what I'm hoping will happen uh, with problem substances. Okay, so let's see. Um, so step two is wonderful. It gives us hope. And um, this program gives me so much hope. Um, can I, what should I talk about? I want to talk about um, a few of the challenges that I had. I love, um, there's a quote from Winston Churchill that the uh, pessimist sees difficulty in every opportunity and the, op- and the optimist sees opportunity in every difficulty. <laughs> so 2018, I wake up one morning and I have a perforated ulcer and I need an emergency surgery. And I recover from that and then I break my kneecap. And I recover from that and then I need hernia surgery. So 2018 from about April to August was uh, challenge after challenge after challenge. I did lose a lot of weight and that was always the silver lining. I lost about 10 pounds. Of course it came back. Um, the, body, the body, I think this is, you know, this is the weight that Weight Watchers gave me in 1973 when I became a lifetime member. So I was a lot younger then. So, you know, part of it is the body obsession. And I need to accept where I'm at. This is going to be it. Of course, it always is exciting when it's lower. It gave me self-esteem. And now I realize that it's not about the weight. It's about living the good life. So I do a lot in program. I stay so involved. Um, right now I've been giving workshops um, through the new green um, 12-step away book. Um, this is my third time doing workshops. And I just, it keeps me in the steps. We're doing another fourth step now. And the fourth step their way also tells you to look at your old beliefs. 
And um, that was a wonderful thing to do because so much of my problem is from beliefs that no longer, uh, you know, have, they've outlived their usefulness. They came from my parents, they came from society. Time's up. Okay. Well, if you want to know more, ask me some questions. Thank you. Okay, now is the time for questions only. There is no sharing at this meeting. If you need to share, please do so with any one of us after the meeting. Also, please remember that the opinions I shared with you today are my own and not those of Overeaters Anonymous as a whole. When asking questions, you need not identify yourself. Please remember if you ask a question, your voice may be audible on the OA podcast. And I will restate the question. So uh, before we start questions, I want to thank Michael for asking me. I really appreciate the opportunity, Michael. Thank you so much. I was thinking about wearing a dress because I know that's your... But I just... (laughs) (laughs) All right. So questions, Ellie? Thank you so much. Um, Can you talk about steps six and seven and how you've worked that? Sure. Uh, could I talk about six and seven and how I work it? So what comes to my mind is judgment, judgment, judgment. I mean, I've gone to retreats and thrown judgment into the fire. And I've, you know, done so much work around judgment because I know that that is so destructive for me and for anybody who might come into my judicial road path. Um, you know, um, I have a little bag at home um, that somebody once suggested where I, when a character defect comes up, I'll write about it and throw it into the bag. And many of them, and I've done it through the years, jealousy and whatever is coming up at the moment, uh, you know, selfishness or self-righteous anger. And when I look back at them and I go through them sometimes, I see improvement. I don't see that they're gone. Uh, you know, we, we're all on a scale, I think, you know, between whatever the defect is and whatever the asset is. And, you know, humility is a big asset in most of the defects, whatever. I'm, and that's, that's the hard one because my ego was so strong that um, it's hard for me to keep turning it over, to say I'm wrong, to move forward. Um, the best way, uh, so that's what I do. I write them down when they pop up. I have lists of character defects and character assets. They're all over the internet. Very good ways that you can kind of judge where you are on the scale. And uh, like I say, some of them are pretty much gone. I'm much more honest than I ever was before. I used to not be honest cash register-wise, many other ways, and now I'm pretty honest. And, you know, it starts with the food. If I'm honest about what I'm doing with my food, then I'm honest with what I'm doing about my life. And um, so I think keeping them front and center and um, just keep whittling away at them and, and knowing that it's not in my time, it's God who's going to remove it, six and seven, you know. I can be aware of them and they can be out there and I think that's a good thing, but knowing that 
They're not going to go away just because I'd like to be less judgmental. So I try to practice it when I go over to my daughter's house and I see the dog hair on the couch. I don't say anything. Or, you know, little things like that. You don't always want to know my opinion and my, my great advice. Less is more. Restraint of tongue and pen. So that's an example of how I'm trying to be less judgmental. That's the big one. That's the biggie for me. And, of course, control. I like to control things. Um, I hope that helps. Thank you. Thank you. Um, thank you so much, Commissioner. Um, so having been a million of the big book style four columns resentments, I, I took an opportunity to looking at changing negative belief systems and methodologies to do that. Can you elaborate a bit on... Um, how you're looking at those belief systems and changing them and, and what the value of that is to your assets you might think. Sure. How has uh, expanding the fourth step and looking at old beliefs and other areas uh, helped in my recovery? Uh, so for one thing, you know, a lot of my issues, you know, the big book way is always it's your it's dishonest, selfish, self-seeking, or afraid. There are only four kind of characteristics that you draw from it. And I have found in the OA way, expectations comes up, greed and envy, and other character defects that are very, very um, strong for me. I'm a person who has great expectations and that, you know, like we read in our story and acceptance was the answer. The higher my expectations, the lower my serenity. Anytime that I'm going to expect. So, um, I, I was brought up, you know, that you pull yourself up by your bootstraps and you do it and you achieve it. And those are kind of old beliefs. Uh, you know, old beliefs that uh, you will always reap what you sow kind of thing. And, and, and when, when you look at it, and I see that they're not necessarily so. It's, um, it's kind of like looking at it with a new pair of glasses, a new perspective, instead of the way that I've always seen things. Uh, like I said earlier, I'm a person, I'm a good student, so you tell me what to do and I can do it. But when there is no answer and it's just stuff that's around, um, I have to look to what's the source of that belief. And a lot of those beliefs are, are no longer valid. So it's just kind of questioning things that I always accepted and looking deeper into things and using that set-aside prayer to set aside what I think I know and what I, you know, for an open mind. And that's one of my good qualities. I do have an open mind and I am teachable and I love to learn new things. And, um, and, and I found that when I look at those old beliefs and I, you know, I don't have great recall right now, so I, can't, I wish I could give you three or four examples, but... Um, I have to look it up. But um, anyway, um, yeah, working on old beliefs and seeing if they're valid. If, they're, if they no longer serve you, then it's time to throw them away. Okay. Thank you. So, clutter. Um, you talked about black and white and you can do things if it's in front of you, but life is sort of gray. So, do you suffer from the clutter in the mind and seeing what 
and also in your personal life, like in the house. Maybe you're not as cluttered as I am, but the dog hairs, you know, talk about yeah. getting clear and just seeing the next indicated thing. Okay, so um, the question is about clutter in my life and in my head. Never thought about clutter in my head. Maybe it is there. It's not in my life. I really am, you know, I open, I get the mail every day. I open it. I throw away what I don't need and I file, you know, what I need and I put the bill somewhere. I, I just, that's one of my qualities. I'm organized and responsible and that's easy for me. So uh, I don't have clutter. And when sometimes for a day or two I'll let things pile up, I don't clean real good underneath stuff. But surface-wise, no clutter. And in my head, yeah, I guess I have stuff going on. Like this afternoon, I, I thought I had gotten tickets to go to the Skirball to see Noah's Ark with my daughter and my three-and-a-half-year-old grandson. And then I realized I never got an email. So last night, I'm going to sleep, and I'm nervous enough about speaking today. And I'm thinking, you know, I never got that email from them confirming that I have the tickets. So it's like 10.30 or 12.30, I woke up and I go online and I don't have the email and I go to the Skirball website and uh, I can't find out if I have them or not. So I, it's like I do obsess a little bit with thoughts and, and I'm saying, just let it go, it'll be okay. But then I looked on my, uh, <coughs> went to the website of my charge card, and I saw that I was charged for it. So okay, that's a good thing. Now I don't know if they're gonna have the, the information when I get there or not. But um, I do have, I don't know if I call it clutter, but obsessive thoughts and replaying things, and I should have, would have, could have. I do have that somewhat, but I do um, after. A certain amount of time, I give it a little bit of time, and then I say, "Okay, enough. Uh, you know, just give it to God, and it'll be okay." Thanks, Roberta. I'm curious about how you identify as a recovered compulsive overeater, given that we're always compulsive overeaters with a disease that can be kept in abeyance but not cured. Love that question. Uh, the question is, how do I consider myself recover, recover since the disease is always with us? Bless you. So the big book starts by saying with stories of 100 men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. So that's what I've recovered from. I don't have that hopeless state of mind and body. I've recovered enough to know I'm not cured, but for today, I do not have to eat compulsively. I've recovered uh, enough to know that um, each day is a new day, and if my food wasn't pristine yesterday, it can be better today. It's, um, it's more of a state of mind, and I feel like we're, we're not selling a product, but we, are, we have a, a solution. And I want people to know that you can recover from this. You don't have to struggle with it every day. I re- recovered because I rely on a higher power, and I know I'm not cured, and I could go back to it any day. But it's that positive state of mind that I never had before. So that's what I mean when I say I'm recovered. Don? You talked about how you had an abstinence, lost it, and then got it back. Uh, 
What, what do you think of this current abstinence move you to what made the difference between not having it and getting it back? So how, why is this current abstinence uh, 17 years that I never had before? Um, you know, what's the difference between this and previous abstinences? And, and, and what was it that, that motivated you to make the change? Thank you. And what motivated me? So when I first came into program in 1979, what motivated me was my discomfort and my disgust with my body. It was a physical motivation. But in 2002, it was an emotional motivation. Because here I was, uh, you know, I was still chubby, maybe some would say obese, but I was living life, and life was much better than it had been. But it still wasn't what was promised in the in the book. So um, what changed? My belief in a higher power, it just went from like five or ten to a hundred. And that that connection, I took out books on meditation and spirituality and I read about different belief systems and and incorporated what spoke to me. And once I started leaning into that higher power and knowing that I do need to surrender the food, it's not me who's going to work it, the abstinence, it just came easily. And I put down that whip. I can't, I I took the definition that I'm not going to break that abstinence. I'm not going to do something that can cause me to go back to day one. Because that was so frustrating for those 22 years, going back to day one. And, and I knew I would never go back to day one. And I found a like-minded sponsor who lives her life this way. And her weight swings can be 20, she allows herself 20 pounds. I've never done that, but my weight does shift 10 pounds. And, um, I think it's just the change in my thinking of what abstinence is. Abstinence is doing the best I can each day with the food, relying on God to pull it in when I need to, and to um, accept where I am today. Yeah, can I talk about exercise a little as self-love rather than uh, a tool for maintaining weight? So I started exercising um, in 1979. I started jogging, which I can't do anymore. And then the best invention for me was a little... um, Pedometers that count steps because I carry one around and for the last many years I get to 10,000 and it's a good day. So I do a lot of walking. I've tried having personal trainers. I don't know. I, it's, I don't want to do it. If I, if I work out with a personal trainer, I'm good, but then I don't do it on my own. And uh, walking you can do on your own every day and... Um, so that's a big part of my, uh, my day. You know, I do the AEIOU. Was I asking today? Did I exercise? I got my 10,000 steps. And if I don't, if it's a day that I'm not getting it, I've got my 8,000 steps. Just accepting whatever is. And um, the time that I was sick and could not exercise, so you can't exercise, I don't beat myself up for it. Um, I don't want to over-exercise. Um, 
I was never a person who exercised. You know, in high school, I remember walking around. You had to run around the dreaded track. And I'd be bringing up the rear with a few girlfriends, you know, just walking it out, walking it out. And so I'm really happy that my legs work and I can walk. And uh, that's the best exercise for me. Thanks. Thank you. Um, I missed it if you said it. Could you tell us... Is it possible what your higher power is? Sure, I'd love to. What is my higher power? So, uh, you know, it's a mystery. I can't. You know, I can tell you uh, that when I connect with a higher power, my higher power always has my back. It's kind of a combination of I had a happy childhood, a happy family, mommy, daddy, grandma, grandpa, all my, you know, all the love of a good healthy family, not that mine was that healthy, but they were loving and warm, and uh, I know that God wants me to be a useful, you know, the big book says that we're here to be of maximum service to others and to God, and I truly believe that, and I know for me, my career with teaching was great, but my career in OA, not that it's a career, but my life in OA is what I'm here for. I know I can help other suffering compulsive overeaters, and um, God empowers me. That's why I say, you know, um, like those are the promises of the 10th step, that I no longer, you know, um, no longer want to go for those things that hurt me. And I think that God empowered me to make good choices now. So God is just uh, everything in nature, everything good in people, in me, and the best of everything. And that's my time. So thank you for letting me.